Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Michael Fordham. Look, if you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Or if you like, you can tweet me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio. And you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. If I may paraphrase Stephen King, the most important things are the hardest things to say. These are the things you feel ashamed of because mere words only diminish the thought. You see, words shrink things that seem limitless when they were in our hearts and minds to no more than just living size when brought out into the open. Oh, but it's more than that, isn't it? You see, the most important things lie too close to wherever your secret heart is buried. Like landmarks to a treasurer, your enemies would love to steal away and use against you at the worst possible moment. But still, you make revelations that cost you dearly, only to have people look at you like you're crazy, not understanding what you've said at all or why you thought it was so important that you almost cried when you were saying it. Do you know what's even worse than that? Is when the secret stays locked within 
and you can't get it out. Not for want of the courage to talk about it, but for want of someone who will just listen. Just listen. As someone who spends a great deal of time searching for the truth, the lesson that I've learned from this quote is, if you want the truth, you have to be prepared to release all judgment and be open enough to hear and accept the truth in whatever form it might take. Judgment alters the truth by changing how it's told or presented. Not accepting the truth stops the bearer from sharing the truth. Ignoring the truth kills ambition and is a recipe for disaster and makes success impossible. We all over the years have learned to guard ourselves against deception, but I've also come to realize that in most cases, you don't even have to discover or discern the truth. You just have to let it be and see it for what it is. Maybe you have a story too. It doesn't have to be just like the one we've heard. Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm here, and I'm willing to listen. All I ask from you is a measure of truth. Post-traumatic stress disorder, the hidden love killer, is instrumental in creating a world of alienation in the human experience. Soldier with a Backpack, Living and Dying Simultaneously, is written to form a silent unity of hope and understanding for individuals experiencing or knowing someone with PTSD and to reveal a needed truth about it. Author Linda Diane Watley shares the experience, impact, stress, and trauma has on the human soul and the price we pay for ignoring this reality. Linda Watley, welcome to A Measure of Truth. Good evening. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, thanks for joining us, Linda. Um, we're going to talk about some pretty heavy stuff, but um, before we even actually get into this, tell us a little bit about your title. You know, that that's a very heavy and hard-hitting title, Soldier with a Backpack, Living and Dying Simultaneously. Um why soldier with a backpack, first of all? I, first of all, when I decided to go with that title, it was given to me. I was asleep in the middle of the night. I was awakened because I had been taking down notes, and I was gathering information about post-traumatic stress disorder. And the next thing I know, what I was gathering together turned into a manuscript, and then it was needing a title, and it was given to me to go with soldier with a backpack, living and dying simultaneously because it's dealing with the unseen realities that we don't care to face or learn to work with on a daily basis. And so when you talk about the backpack, that's everything unseen about us that we carry with us mm. all our life. No, oh, okay. So that reference is related <laughs> to your baggage then. I see. Yes. Well, it's anything that's unseen. You take it with you when you leave this world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Wow. Everything right, right. you take mm -hmm. it with you. And the reason why it says living and dying is because we're constantly evolving, constantly changing, constantly dying to something and coming to life to something. And it can be based on trauma, tragedy, um, drastic changes in life that causes us to not be the same once the experiences take place. 
and then different um, knowledge or experiences besides trauma is just constantly bringing us to birth, bringing us to death simultaneously. Now, tell us, so what what brought you to this story? What's your connection? Uh, <laughs> it's a serious connection for me, very personal. Um, I personally have post-traumatic stress disorder, and my son, my youngest, no, my oldest son has post-traumatic stress disorder. I say my youngest son because we all have been traumatized, but my oldest son and I, we both share post-traumatic stress disorder. He had served two terms in Iraq, and on his second term when he returned, he was eventually about a year later diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. And so one day uh, things just changed as far as the reality levels of the impact that it had on his life because it was like over three hours. I didn't know if my son was still alive because one of the things that come with PTSD is potential suicide. Mm. And when I had received a call from the police department while I was on my job, I was concerned about my child. I didn't know where he was, what was going on, but they was concerned for his life. And so mm-hmm. when he finally was found and was okay, that forced me to take action on my part to understand more of the research that's been done for PTSD because I wanted to make sure that I could embrace him and draw him closer to me in understanding. And so it was while I was doing the research that the spirit part came into the book because all I was getting was, you know, outside information. And it was just like I wasn't even planning on writing a book, but I started receiving inner messages that God had given me to share with his people about PTSD. And it's pretty much like he wants his people to realize that he wants us to be what he made us to be and not what the world has made us to be. And so we have to get together and understand within ourselves the spiritual aspect of ourselves, the soul, you know, not just the mental, emotional part, but our whole inner being needs to be communicated to us so that we can heal and be a better presence in the world. We can't just constantly just live to be physical beings. We have to get in touch with our total self. And that's what PTSD do. It forces you to realize how powerful we are on the inside. Now, what I'd like for you to explain to everyone so people can really understand what PTSD actually is, is, is it explain how an event can cause someone to go through this and what type of events? Is it a series of events or is it one event? And then talk about some of the reactions a person may have because of what has happened that's caused this um, PTSD in their lives. Okay. One of the ways I can begin explaining your question. Okay. Like when we have a physical injury, when we get hit, burned, cut, We can get all the support in the world. People are going to come to us. They're going to stitch us up. They're going to give us some injections. They're going to help us take care of that wound. Okay, with PTSD, that is the inner wound of your soul, of your spirit. It's the unseen part of yourself that's wounded. It's it's damaged. It's hurt. It's it's a wound. It needs help. It needs support. It needs encouragement. It needs strength. It needs a healing process. And it's so personal because can't anybody come in there to be with you when you're going through the trauma of the wound, you know? And so that's what I wanted to explain. It's a wound. It's an unseen wound that's constantly alive. It just don't go away. And so, like, for me, in my case, what I've learned is that 
PTSD has so many dimensions, so many levels, so many unique expressions of itself with individuals, and it depends on the individual's experiences in life prior to the major one that took them over. Like for me, at the age of four, I lost my virginity. That was the beginning of PTSD. Yeah, that Mm. was the beginning of PTSD. Now, you look at that right there, undiagnosed. Mm. I was traumatized inside, not able to explain the language of the damages. Mm. I was broken. I was damaged at the age of four. Never was the same. Never Mm. was the same. And then it compounded. That's why I say PTSD can start with layers. That's why certain soldiers will commit suicide while others will not commit suicide based on experiences and who they are and what they have in front of them and what they have behind them. So it's so unique and complex. That's why it's kind of hard to get a handle on it. And that's why you have to bring in the spiritual part because this is an unseen almost warfare in itself because it's after your mind because anything can control your mind it owns you. Mm-hmm. And see, when you be traumatized like a soldier, it's like the unnatural aspects of life that we're not supposed to experience as spiritual beings is traumatized and it shakes up our whole foundation. Mm. And so it's not normal for you to go kill a child. It's not normal for you to go kill people that you don't know. It's not normal for you to watch your best friend get blown up in your face. This is not normal. And so your inner being is having a reaction to it, you know, and it's frozen because it's unnatural. And just like when somebody gets raped or if somebody goes through domestic violence, this is not what God had made us to experience. And so the trauma takes place within us, causing us to have tragedy that we vibrate into life. And people don't understand it's the vibration of it. And it's like an extreme anxiety that just wants to just take you out, like it's going to pull you down to this dark abyss. And you're trying to function in society, but society is weak compared to what's going on inside of you. And that's what people understand. The war does not end when they walk away from that country. And then when they come to the United States, there's another war here of lovelessness. Mm-hmm. So... It's a, they don't have a chance to really get back unless they have a foundation like my son had where he was welcomed into the home, nurtured, you know, and understood. A lot of people don't get that. And when they don't have purpose, because when they was in war, they still had purpose, even though it was, right. you, know, you know, dark, they still had purpose. And when you take purpose out of life, PTSD just gets really out of control. So it's just Mm. so much to it to take and pinpoint it down to one narrow spot. It will be very difficult for an individual. But the dangerous part about PTSD is the undiagnosed aspect of it. Mm -hmm. People are like walking time bombs. You know, like stress is the key factor. Right, right. We have a lot of people. Let's help people to understand something else, too. So when you discovered, you know, we haven't always had a name for this, um, when did you discover how 
this was uh, impacting you in your life and that it was not the norm and that um, it was something very unusual for you to have to go through this. What was it that manifested itself? And then I want you to talk about your, your son as well and what you recognized in him. Okay, like for myself, I knew something was wrong with me, but I couldn't understand what it was. And like the last experience for me was when my son went to Iraq the first time, I almost had a nervous breakdown. I I literally was compounded with anxiety. And that's when I started realizing my insides were shattered. It's like that was the catalyst that finally made me realize that I was fragile, that I, I, I was unproductive. I was starting to lose it. And when I went to get help, I mean, it was just spoke for itself that I had PTSD just based on my symptoms. You know, I was always alienated. I was always wanting to be asleep because it felt safe. I didn't never feel like I belonged in society. I was always on watch. It's like mm-hmm. you just never get a break because what you're doing is protecting yourself from your worst self and you're protecting your loved ones from your worst self. And then when you go out in society, you're trying to make sure that you don't disrupt what people are already doing because your interpretation of things is so way off. You know, you just never feel like you fit in. You know something is going on with you, and you just never know when it's going to blow. All right. So well, let's, let me um, help people to understand a little bit more, though. Um, so how is PTSD different from depression, for instance? Well, PTSD can uh, depression can be you know an offset of it. PTSD mm-hmm. in itself, it has a it has like this, it's like an energy force to it. It's like it's like a pounding inside, pounding to your nervous system. It's like mm-hmm. it's just constantly stalking you. It's it's different because it it is something that you can't explain to somebody because you can't really explain it to yourself. It's so personal. It's like it's just an anguish to it, and it's like you have to have ability to be able to calm it down. You have to learn how to live with it because mm. it's almost like it's really no cure for it, but yet there's a way you can live with it, and that's what my book does. It shows you how to live with it, but it constantly has your attention. You always have to be aware of yourself because it's a, it's like a vibration that's so tense. And it has vision to it. And in some degrees, it's like, oh, my God, it's just horrific. The degrees of because it has damaged, you know, brain tissue. It has damaged nerve tissue, emotional um, energy. It has done so much damage that when you go to be normal, it, it goes up against a wall and sometimes it knocks you down. That's why you have to have a spiritual part because that seems to be the catalyst that's going to make the difference when you want, like, miracles. Because it's, it just takes and shakes up your whole unseen part of yourself. So when you talk about when you first recognized something manifesting itself in you, it wasn't until um, you, you said your son went away to war. So before that, you had no idea that this thing was within you, um, considering how traumatic the event was for you that occurred when you were four? Okay, being that you're a child, you don't know how to interpret 
so much of life. You're going by what your parents allow to be. And see, other experiences took place like I was raped. I had been in a domestic violent environment where in the middle of the night my mom could be waking up screaming, howling, running through the house. So Mm. already my insides were shattered. And then, you know, you go on and you have sudden death experiences. That it's just like it just layered and layered, but you're going through something where you realize that you're not like everybody else. People don't realize what you're you're hurting on the inside in a very compounding way, but you have to have accountability in society. So you kind of be quiet, you be, be very defensive and distant, you alienate yourself because you're not understanding what this is. For so long, you're not understanding it. And so you try to do things almost like you're invisible. You do what you have to do to keep things quiet. You know, I knew mm. something was wrong, but I just didn't know what it was. So explain, what is a sudden death experience? When you, like, my husband was the last one I had, but the first one I had, my my big brother had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. He was in high school, and and he was gone. I was like, 18 years old, he was gone, mm-hmm. like that. And that same year, my best friend that I walked to school with, a car dropped his chest and crushed him to death. Mm. You know, and it just takes away your ability to to identify with future, you know, to have steps to plan because you be frozen and realizing life must be death because these people were healthy, they were fine, you know, mm. and they're gone. So you can't hardly process it because you already damaged even before this happened. And then my husband was killed in a car accident instantly. And so that mm. just, just keeps, you know, adding to the fuel of not being able to balance out to have normal reactions to life. Right. Wow. Hmm. That That is something so... How would this affect you in life and, and the ways that you thought that you would have behaved differently? But because of this, it sort of uh, reshaped your responses. Give us some examples of that and how you learned to cope. Well, I just like for me, because of the rape, because of the molestation, I had very difficult abilities to understand what I was supposed to be in a relationship with the opposite sex. It was like... I didn't have a normal judgment like how and what to expect from them. It's all they had to do was just want me around. It was like that was special because that's what it was with my father. So I was retarded in the processing of choosing best people in my space. And, like, when I would be involved with people, I didn't know how to feel like I wasn't saying something stupid because I didn't know logic because I had been abused so bad with a step family situation that I didn't know how to talk to people because they made me think that I was stupid or ugly or different. So I had an identity crisis. I was just there mimicking people for so long that I didn't know how to be happy. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what love was. I had a difficult time knowing what was expected of me. I didn't know how to want something for myself because I was so um, fragmented that I couldn't put anything together to be constructive. So I followed 
the space that I was in by being a kind person. It was safer for me to be kind than for me to attack because I didn't know how to attack because I was always attacked. So mm. I was just quiet, you know, just like if I act like I'm invisible, I will make it. And another escape for me, like I say, I always would go to sleep. I would always get away hmm. from the crowd. So I had a difficult time knowing what it was like just to be normal. I didn't know what it was. You know, it's um, as you speak about some of these things, you know, I think back to, you know, my childhood and understanding that some of the people that I knew of, that this was their response and the reason why I could not understand their behavior is probably because of something that they had gone through and were going through that they could not process and did not know how to deal with. Because you you made a very key point when you talked about logic because this has nothing to do with your intellect. It's your ability to try to reconcile in the world that you live in with the world that everyone else is in. It's very difficult. It's so because you don't know how it's supposed to be. Like the people that you trust are the ones that you, that's your first Bible of life. And when you don't have anything to hold on to that says that you're okay because your parents are supposed to confirm you, but when your parents are the ones against you, it's difficult for you to trust. And see, that's another form of PTSD too, the lack of ability to trust. And trust is so needed for you to exhale, to develop, to be creative. You know, so so much of that was gone. I was just like a zombie, just going through life. And actually, it wasn't until I went into the Army that I had hope of realizing that there was more to life than what I had to live with until I graduated from high school. I mean, my mother was the first person to give me a black eye. And the only person. Mm. My brother, he was the only one that called me out of my name in front of my children. And my other brother mm. tried to kill my husband. So I have no normal bonding. So who do you trust? When somebody be nice to you, you don't know how to absorb it. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem real. That It's like, so you don't really enjoy it. You know what I mean? You just okay, you know, and that's all you have to the situation. You can make other people happy because they let you know what they want, and so that's the way you live for so long because it's easier that way. Wow. You know, Linda, um, I'm already thinking ahead. I, I, I need to have you back on again. Um, and I, this time I think I'll um, have um, a doctor of psychology on as well, along with you, to talk about this in, in, in more depth. But um, th- this is pretty powerful stuff. So give our, our readers a, a taste of how you, in this book, express this and outline some of the things that you're talking about with me now. Yeah, this is a phenomenal moment for me because what happened for me is 
one day I was at my evening job because I was working two jobs, and all of a sudden I started putting my hands on the keyboard, and that's when I wrote, this was almost 10 years ago, I wrote a trilogy, and I hid myself in the characters, and I didn't realize that's what I was doing. Mm. And by the time I got finished, I was like about to lose my mind because I saw all my fragmentation. And Mm. the catalyst of it all was Dr. Field wrote a book called Self Matters, and he Mm -hmm. takes you through this questionnaire, and it's supposed to evaluate your psyche. And I'm like, oh, this ain't going to do anything for me. By the time I finished that book, I thought I was going to end up in a mental institution because I don't know what that was that he had there. All I know is it revealed to me that I was a hot mess for real. Mm. And I couldn't believe that all of that that I saw on that paper was what I have been for over 25 years. I I just didn't know how to go forward without being ashamed, without being embarrassed, without, you know, being able to say, yeah, I'm Linda, I'm proud of it. I was like literally fragmented. It was like the scarecrow and the Wizard of Oz. Remember when they just took him apart? The straw man just took him apart? That's Mm. how I felt, and I couldn't pack all the stuff back in. That's when I knew that it was a lot of power inside of us. But when you talk about my book, the key element that got me on my feet to begin my journey of healing was my husband. Mm-hmm. It he seemed to have known me better than I knew myself, and I didn't understand how he was able to do that. I met him in the service. I don't mm-hmm. know how I realized it was something different about him, but when I was in his presence, it was like I didn't have to protect myself. It was mm-hmm. like I did, it just disappeared some kind of way, and that was the beginning of me to start to understand this thing called love because I didn't get it from anywhere else because I didn't know how and it wasn't anything there that wasn't always after me. He wasn't just after me. It was like he was having sin. And that was actually the beginning. And actually, God, I I, I can't say it enough. I try not to be religious, but God was the catalyst to the whole dynamic because when my husband was killed in that car accident, Can you imagine, for the Mm -hmm. first time in my life, I was ready to attach myself to someone. And just as I was getting to understand, to give him something better than than I had gave him, he was taken from me. Mm. So that set me back just when I was moving forward. And I had his two baby sons. I had to do something. I had to not let them die with me. They had already lost their father. And I said, they don't need to lose another parent. I said, I was dead walking. And I saw these two innocent little babies. And it was like, I can understand how a woman in that state can take their children and just disappear. Mm. It was that bad because Mm. we was getting ready to go get some ice cream. We was waiting for him to come home. And I get a knock on the door 
and it's a police officer. I went to the hospital, and I was walking down the road to the hospital. I looked up to the sky, and I said, God, please don't take my husband. Honestly, God, I promise you. The voice said, I already have prayed for something else. Mm. That was my introduction to God and my journey. <laughs> because so, he, he, he what was did right you pray there. for? I prayed that he didn't take my husband, but he did. And I, yeah, I'm, I understand I'm like, that. You said he said pray for something else. So what did you pray for? I, I, I didn't pray for anything else. Mm. I was devastated. But I also was fascinated at the same time that he was right there at the time I asked the question. I didn't mm. even hardly get it finished, and I had an answer. So that was like a two-edged sword moment in my life. The reality that God was that close and walking with me to the hospital door. He was that into me at the time of the death of the love of my life. God was right there in that split second and told me to pray for something else. I couldn't comprehend how he was so there already. I couldn't ignore that. Mm-hmm. And what was your relationship like with your mother at the time of his death? My mother and I were not very close. She was very verbally abusive. She was de- detached from me because my father had taken me from my mother. That's how the molestation took place because he was a bully. He was um, domestic violence around the clock, mm. not just with her, but even with my stepmother and my mom. She was thinking that I didn't want to be with her, that I wanted to be with my stepmother. So she had this wall up. Our bond was gone. We didn't grow mm-hmm. up together. Mm-hmm. So we 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 didn't have anything but negativity for so many years, for so many years. She had a lot of symptoms of PTSD also from domestic violence and her kids being taken from her. She became an alcoholic. When she wasn't drinking, it was hopeful for us. But, I mean, she had beaten me so bad one night around 1 o'clock in the morning, I had to bust through the front door and run out the house, clothes all torn. They thought I had been raped by a man, my neighbor, and it was my mom. She was just drunk, and she was saying that I didn't love her, and she hated me. It was just horrific for a long time. But it's not like that today, I can tell you that. But when you spoke of my book, I didn't mean to go in depth about the journey. I take people through the journey of where God took me and how he did it. Because after my husband was killed, the love of my life, that's when God, I really, really learned how to communicate with God. And God was so inside of me. That's what I learned. And that was my salvation was the fact that I was able to communicate within the language. That's why I say soldier with a backpack, that backpack, God gave me the tools and understanding of breaking down the inner language where people can really get in touch with their inner world because that's the greatest part of us is on the inside, not the outside. And people seem to have it a little backwards. And in my book, the way it's written you start to understand that more and you welcome it more because the feedback that I'm getting is people was like, 
wow, I really appreciate you writing a book because I knew it was something going on with me. But people don't take time out to make sure they understand what's going on with them. They're so busy reacting to life somewhere like I was doing. But once you go inside, it's like you will always go there, but with a positive reasoning because you understand this is where you heal yourself and you grow and you nurture yourself and you continue in life to be victorious instead of a victim. Hmm. Victorious instead of a victim. You know, that in itself um, pretty much sums up your story because of all the things that have surrounded you in your life and all the events have, have taken place, it's hard to believe that anyone would not have just succumbed to, you know, this and become bitter or angry or hateful and resentful of all of these things. But somehow you have found a way to rise above it and look at it as an opportunity to heal and become better. Um, where did this all start for you, your relationship with God and understanding his presence in your life? You know, even when I was a child, I remember when I got my first library card, I knew something was wrong in life, and I was giving life a chance to give me understanding of it. And so I went to the library, and I would go in the library, and I would just stand there just to see where I would end up at. And so I would go through different aisles and different places, and I got books. A lot of it was sociology, psychology, spirituality, you know, religious. It was so many different books. I was just eating books, just eating them. That's the only way I can describe it because I was literally reading. And the more I read, the more hungry I was for more. And I started seeing an underlying common denominator. It talked about universe. It talked about God. It talked about Jesus. It talked about love. These things I never heard or actually witnessed in my life, but I felt something. And certain ones would just make me feel better on the inside or make me feel like all of a sudden I can prop myself up it was happening on the inside, and I start realizing truth has a great power. And no matter what you don't understand about truth, the fact that you have digested it, it don't matter what you grasp of it because you can't do anything else with it. It can't be altered. And it kept building me up on the inside to seek God, to understand God. And so it led me to the Bible. Eventually, after all that reading, it took me to the Bible. And the King James Version back then the writing of Jesus' words was in red. And one of the most important things that he said, the truth will set you free. And that's my whole theme in life. The truth will set you free. And if you're not free, you haven't gotten the right truth. And mm. so I would always look for that truth that's going to put me in a better place constantly. I just never stopped that. Wow. So that was my beginning of my walk to to this thing I said called God because I didn't know anything about it because, you know, most people would say God couldn't have been in your life, you know, but he was in my life, even in the midst of, had to be if I'm here today. Yeah, you definitely bear witness to that. Um, <laughs> I've, I've heard quite a few stories and, um, you know, many of them, you know, very difficult to, to listen to, but to you have to you're drawn in because you have to hear that ray of hope because you, you understand that that person is talking to you right now even though the story may seem as though it would not have an ending that you could um sort of you know 
cling to and, and glean something from. But um, your story is, um, although a very, um, a very, very hard one, it, it still shows a promise. And it, it shows how someone like yourself can not only survive but live through it and um, get to a point where you can help others, which is just the most amazing thing, is that your book reaches out to those who may not have gone through what you've gone through, but still it gives them the ability to tap that space within and connect with God and be able to sort of pull themselves out of where they're at. And you know what, that thing about love, people kind of getting away from that because they have conditioned to their liking. Like if I say I love you, you really don't know what I'm saying. Because what you call love and what I call love is extremely, totally different things. But yet people love to hear that word, but they have diluted that word. That word is so powerful because it's sentiment to God, but people have taken it to the world and they don't understand why people are not connecting anymore because they don't want to deal with the unseen. And that's where they find their strength, you know, their spirituality. That's why the book is written because it takes you in and it brings you back out equipped to stay with what you're supposed to be as a full person of spirit. See, spirit and truth, that's a beautiful existence. And without it, we have this harsh world. We have this stress killing our people. It's not just war in other countries that's killing us. It's the war among ourselves. The lovelessness is what the war is that mankind is being destroyed by. They don't want to deal with that. But see, love is not going to be able to survive in stress. That's why the whole dynamic is to keep us in stress, to keep us separated, to keep us hard. Gentleness is what heals. And like when I had my sons, I was told that I broke a generational curse. I had no idea. I just loved them. And I Mm. loved them with everything Mm. I didn't have. I knew I was their first Bible. And I knew I could go at any second. So I made sure that they was able to be productive, spiritual, and physically strong in life. How how, how do you think it was that you did that, that you were able to break that cycle? Were those challenges for you, or you just never thought to be that way at all? Well, I think one of the main reasons why some people don't is because they're selfish. Mm. They don't want to, you know, give themselves up for another person. People have children now. They won't give themselves up for their children. Mm. And that's why the children are lacking you know, their ability to know who they are. One of the most important things that I instilled in my sons is to make sure they knew who they were because I told them the world is going to come for you. And if you don't know who you are, they're going to tell you who you are, and that's when you lose yourself. And I assure you to this day they would tell anybody they know who they are and they hold their ground because I didn't know who I was, and I knew that was damaging, and it was made life hard for me. So that was one key element that I made sure that they didn't lack. See, some people use it to their advantage to destroy, while other people will use it to build. It all depends on the nature of a person. Mm-hmm. Wow. I could not do that to them because that was their father's sons. That was God's sons. See, before they was mine, they was God's sons, and then they were my husband's sons, and then me because I didn't have no value. 
so that right there opened up the door for me to assume responsibility that I was entrusted to. So it depended on what, who I was. And I just loved them up. You know, Linda, there's there's something missing from your story, and it's pretty amazing. I don't know if it's a part or not, but I've not had a conversation with someone that has been through what you've been through that has not inserted um, the name or something that their therapist told them to do. Um, did you ever go through therapy? No. Yeah, and that's what I thought. I just went to one. I went to one visit, and was diagnosed. And at that point, I put that between God and myself because I still had trusting issues. Hmm. I see. So, because of your trust issues, you didn't want to expose that one-on-one with someone, but then you wrote a book and put it out there for everyone. How do you explain that? <laughs> well, see, that's another thing, too, is, like, the spiritual aspects of life, your higher self, nine times out of ten, it's not going to be logically done. It's just going to be energy done. It's going to mm. be vibration done. You know, I was a person, I had grew to the point, you know, through my wisdom and accumulation of experiences that I really trusted my inner guidance. God gave mm-hmm. me a trust because the fact that, I mean, I had two very loving, spiritually based, respected men that God used me to bring into this world. I could not have done it with what I had from the time mm-hmm. I was a child. Mm-hmm. That's why I know God had to be the reason that I was able to do it. God was the source that I relied on. It was things that I knew that I wouldn't have been able to know if he had not told me. See, that spiritual part is very powerful. But people play that down just like they play love down. But, see, I don't play those two things down. I play them up pretty high. The physical mm-hmm. world obviously cannot be the greater world because we don't take this with us. We take the spiritual part of ourselves with us. So it has to be very powerful and resourceful. And see, I've been trying to tell people, you know, like Jesus said, in my father's house there are many mansions. You can live any way you want to as a born-again Christian, but do you know what kingdom you're going to end up in? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. And, you know, we are to live, you know, not for this world, but for the world to come. And um, it definitely sounds like you have a handle on that. And those are the things that I believe that have separated you from, if anyone would think about this logically, they would say that what you've done, if you had said you were going to do this 25, 30 years ago, they would have all said, no, that's not going to happen. You, you got some issues that will have to be worked out. But the fact that you have, it's proof in itself that, you know, your connection with God has pulled you through, has healed you, and has made you a better person and someone who can overcome. Because, again, your story yeah. is amazing. <laughs> it, it, it is amazing. Thank you. You have to send me a copy of your book. I would Sign be more it, than please. glad to. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And, just um, give me your address, 
and it'll be yeah. done. Will do, will do. Um, it's been a phenomenal conversation, and uh, I want to talk a little bit more about this because we hear about this so often, um, about people responding to this in such a, um, a devastating way, a destructive way, in a way where you can see because of their actions that they don't make any sense, that they're suffering from something, but what they're trying to do to address it has no bearing on their pain at all. It's just lashing out, and um, we always hear it on the news, and we always wonder why someone would behave in this way, but seldom do we think of the pain and the suffering that they may be going through, that they may just be someone who did not get an opportunity for someone to look deep enough in them to see that hurt and help them to be able to address their pain. So... um, I hope that you you have much more success with your book and, um, you know, tell people where they can actually pick that up from and um, your your website and any of your social media information you want to give. Okay. Um, I can have my book purchased on Amazon, either in paperback or they can get it on Kindle. And I also have it at Barnes & Nobles. And I have a website, um, com. Okay. And can they also purchase directly from the website or? Well, the website would take them to Amazon, but it's a lot okay. of informative information there if they would like to get an idea of the dynamics of PTSD. And uh, do you do public speaking at events and things like that as well? Yes, that was added to it also. I mean, if anybody would have told me that after 10 years of not writing that I would write a book, I would not have believed them. And so I didn't even know that the day was going to come that I would be doing speaking engagements, but I do do those also. I really enjoy going among the people because I believe faith come by hearing, you know, and able to share vibrations together. So, yes, I do speaking engagements also. Oh, okay, great. And you don't have any coming up, do you? Not right now, I don't. I have okay. one back in March, but not currently. All right. So next time you have one, too, you have to get back to me. And um, I'm not sure if we're connected on Facebook as yet, but if we're not, we need to. And, um, again, um, I'm going to mull this over, and I, I'm going to produce a new show, and I'm going to invite some other people on, too, and I'd love to have you on as <laughs> okay. one of our panel experts. It's a beautiful journey, if you understand. Yeah, well, you'll help us to understand. So, oh, thank <laughs> you. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. I really and, um, appreciate you. <laughs> well, we appreciate you too, as well as for being so transparent and um, putting yourself out there. And um, you know, this has been a very selfless interview. I mean, you have definitely put yourself out there, and I'm sure it has touched the lives of many people, um, and they'll be able to really see now beyond their suffering and and look and understand some things that maybe they really have pushed down so far because of the pain that they did not allow themselves to even try to understand what they're going through. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to do so. All right, great. So we're going to go out with something um, by one of my favorite Christian rappers, um, Irregular by Gemstones, and um, we'll we'll come right back after that.
Thank you, Linda. Okay. We really appreciate you coming by. Thank you. <laughs> Elephant in the room. Nothing about me's regular. Cause I don't label it gospel, don't make it secular. Everything that Jesus calls the devil has a replica. We must be cautious of the false prophets that lecture us. May the gospel continue blessing us. Breath in my nostrils lets me know he's protecting us. I have sight beyond vision that's in my retina. The wrong decisions are the ones that have most affected us. Whoever thought I'd be called on to be a messenger? I was once prey that turned into a predator. Indulged in everything except for what was best for us. With no respect for trust, I obsessed with lust. The solitude, my demons never let me rest as much. Oh, six, I died in my sleep. You could have left me stuck in darkness, standing before that dark tunnel being sucked. I constantly called on your name, and you woke me up. Everything is good. You gotta believe. You gotta know that you know. Nothing about me's regular. Say the only thing life has promised is death for us. Bible contradicts itself too much. Say that only a fool would believe a tale of such. Was once cool as your favorite wrestler. Now they questioning my character. There's an elephant in the room with ivy yellow tusk. Besides the luck, sometimes the truck trying to hide and duck. Everyone but him sees it because his eyes are shut. He walks not by sight, fake God to strut. His vision differs from the way the human eye can duck. If you can see from his view, it'll probably drive you nuts. A tribute to the ones that's cried enough. Two for the tears and the feathered pillows that dried him up. Move quiet and hush to survive. Lord, you provide the judge, but it's up to you to decide. Only God I trust. I got on my safety pin, baby. Little bit of hope. Little bit of togetherness. You know. Uh. Does it profit me to love money, the diamonds and gold? Gain the world, and in the end I end up losing my soul. It took a minute, but I understand I'm not in control. And in order to succeed, you need balance. Highs and the lows, this life has been a challenge. But I get wise as I go. Pull the weeds and plant the seeds for all the eyes that don't know. Trust that every knee will bow. The king is coming, behold. May God bless the faithful child, for few are righteously chose. My friend, the end is coming. You must decipher the code. Seek the word with diligence, for it's a light to the soul. I pray for your deliverance that you inspire from Job. That you release resentfulness and all your ties from this globe. The body is the holy temple. We disguise it with clothes. And we defile it every time we fornicate and indulge. In sinfulness, his gentleness is more than eyes could behold. When it's time no man can 
understand in your defense what lies can be told. I was sent to vent, so be attentive to what lies can be told. We must repent, for no man knows the time was never disclosed. You're not convinced the man named Jesus walked on water with toes? Because it makes no sense, it's just a bunch of lies to keep us controlled. And it makes you tense, you trouble deep inside, at war with your soul. This year my uncle Andre died, I hope he soars in his robe. Oh Lord, hear my humble cries, I hope your doors never close. We stay by grace and not by what we tithe, I'm sure you've been told. Come to the end of another great show. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. Before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you. <laughs>